T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Laura Smith. She is president of the League of Women Voters of Connecticut. Good morning to you. Good morning, Aaron. Good to hear from you. So Election Day, just over a week away, November 2nd. It's the local elections. So uh, tell us, is it too late for folks to register to vote? No, it's not. Um, Usually the deadline for registering to vote is this is on the online registration portal, as well as a mail-in application, is October 26th. So it's Tuesday. Things have to be postmarked. You have to get your information in before midnight on the online system. And then things do shut down the week before the election day, basically, so everybody can update their lists and get all the new voters in. Now, I know absentee voting was popular last year because of COVID. Is that an option again this year? Yes, it is. Um, In fact, the uh, however, things were not automatically. They probably know that by now, but things were not automatically mailed to the voters like last year during COVID, the Secretary of State had mailed applications to all registered voters, not ballots, just applications for absentee ballots to make it easier for people to get them, people who did not want to come out in public for lots of good reasons. So that that is the case this year as well. COVID is still an excuse, a valid excuse on the application for requesting an absentee ballot. Unfortunately, Connecticut is one of the few states where you need an excuse to get an absentee ballot. Um, So that is one of the things we're trying to change going forward in 2022 to get some early voting. But because our election laws are written in the Constitution, we have to open the the state Constitution to do that kind of change. Is that an effort that the League of Women Voters has taken a position on? Do you support that? Yes, we definitely do. We tried to get it in this year, but we didn't make it. Well, actually, early voting, we did make. No excuse absentee ballot. We did not. We were not able to get on the ballot this year. But early voting, yes. But in order to do any of these things, Aaron, we have to change our Constitution to allow us to do so. So we all have to vote as voters. Yes, on the ballot question on 2022, that will ask you, should we amend the Constitution of Connecticut to address uh, early voting. I think that's what it's called. But last time we tried this, it was complicated legalese and nobody voted for it. So this time we're trying to be a little more clear. Now, another thing that remains from last election day is the drop boxes located outside of most city and town halls. If you've got that absentee ballot, instead of sticking it in the mail, if you want, 
you can drop it in a Dropbox, correct? Yes, and those are permanent now. Those boxes are now permanent that we were able to pass through, uh, which is great because we found that even though we had a COVID-19 pandemic last year, almost, I think over 650,000 people voted by absentee in Connecticut. And because the mail system, if you remember, was not necessarily reliable at the time, which also made people afraid that it wouldn't get there in time, having the drop boxes just, just made it that much easier for everyone. And we had a very high turnout last year. We had almost um, 80%, according to the Secretary of State's office. So it's, it's interesting. People want to vote. If you give people more options to help them vote, they're going to do it. They're going to definitely participate, which is great. I think that's really important. Now, speaking of turnout, it's always a head scratcher to me. We always see higher turnout in presidential years than we do in local election years like we are having this year, but you can arguably say that you can make more of a difference on the local level. You know the people running for office in many cases, and you know one or two votes <laughs> can make a huge difference. That's definitely correct. And um, the local elections are so important because it's usually small towns, smaller cities, and even big cities and neighborhoods. These are people you know, and you are their constituents and you have greater access to these people. So if you need something done, you might actually get action on it as opposed to a larger issue at the state or the national level. Um, and these are where, you know, these are where our state and federal, you know, election guys come from, right? People who want to run for office usually start on a school board or a board of finance or a common council. So this is kind of like the pipeline for future leaders. And that's the other reason why it's important to vote in the local elections. Now, I know there have been contentious school board meetings, some in Connecticut and many more around the country related to, to, to COVID issues. Do you see any change in the interest? Is there more interest this year in the local elections because of what's going on? Um, yes and no. I, I think there's I don't think I'm, I don't know any in Connecticut about a lot of fighting against um, mask and mandates. There's there's meetings where it's discussed, but there's not a lot of, you know, I don't think there's too much angst about that. Um, I think that the school board is always I used to be on the school board in Weston, actually, when I lived in Weston, when I first moved back. And because it involves children and parents, it's always the most important board in town. It takes up most of the tax dollars. So, and parents, when you have children, you want to do what's best for them. So you're going to be involved at some level, at, even if it's just a simple attending a PTO meeting. So I think those are always going to have issues, especially when you're dealing with lessons of history and, and all that kind of thing. Um, COVID is one thing, but we also have the whole brouhaha about what's being taught in our schools about racism. So that's an important issue that everybody should be paying attention to and is. So I think that's those kinds of things are are more working together to make school boards very active these days. Now, it's not just names that are on the ballot in many communities. It's also ballot questions that, you know, have implications when it comes to taxes and other issues. Correct. And that's 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 like town city specific. For at least at, at the local level this year. And that's so another I reason to, to get out and, and make your voice heard. 
Well, and, you know, I think it's really important. I know that when I was a kid, my mother dragged me to the polls and it was the cool thing with the curtain and that whole thing. And and it's just one of those habits you have to get it. It's like reading, right? Voting is like reading in the sense that it, it increases your awareness of the world. It increases the importance. You see the importance of taxes and how they're spent in your community and what's important to your community. So you have, a, it's, it's, it's a participation thing. We don't have a representative democracy of, 30% of the people don't show up. Now, I know local elections officials would love for anyone who's not registered to vote to do so in advance by the 26th, Tuesday. But if you are a procrastinator and wait until the last minute, how does same-day registration work? Yes, election day registration, it's called EDR for short, is available in every town and every city in Connecticut on election day. But it's usually not at your polling place, right? It's usually at a central location, usually city or town hall. Um, sometimes if you have one polling place in a small town, it might be there. But if you're if you wait that long before you take off, because it does take a little longer to make sure that you're going to the right place so that you don't give up and not vote. <laughs> but it, it can be done on election day. And that's it's from, you know, eight to six. The earlier that you get there, the better. I mean, actually, the off times are best if you're going to do EDR in the middle of the day after 930 and uh, as opposed to during lunch hour, rush hour on either end. Three o'clock, two o'clock after school's out is not so bad. But, you know, you want to make sure that you're going to give yourself some time. You have to bring extra documentation to prove who you are because it is on the same day and we don't have the same uh, accessibility to check everything in that one day period. Now, at the polls, are we going to see COVID precautions like plexiglass and hand sanitizer like we saw last year? Um, most of that stuff um, will be in place, yes. Um, so there will be masks, probably. I would I would just assume you're going to wear a mask and bring one so you don't get caught short, although I know most polling places will have them on hand. So voting, yeah, voting has been safe for both years, actually. This year, a little less, you know, we have a little less precautions than we need to because most people are vaccinated. But most of our poll workers wear the mask the entire time. So talk to me about the outreach efforts of the League of Women Voters of Connecticut, letting voters know that, hey, we have a local election coming up and there are many important issues on the ballot. Right. Well, what we've been doing, uh, our local elections, our local leagues are really involved in the local elections, obviously, because they're the ones in the communities who know what the communities are doing and talking about. So their job basically is to get their information. They put together voter guides, uh, nonpartisan voter guides. They're not edited, most of them. And they're basically just presenting the candidates as they are to the community, whether it's debates in person. There have been a few in-person debates, not with audiences, but live. There have been a lot of virtual debates by Zoom, webinars and things. Uh, some local TV channels have hosted, some libraries have hosted. So we've had a lot of collaboration within communities to help us get the candidates out in front, uh, regardless of what's going on with COVID, which is always good. So that, and that's kind of what they've been doing. They also make, we find that because in Connecticut, we have so many ways to register, whether it's the DMV, uh, whether it's the online portal, um, people are usually registered. So we're like, okay, what, what other kind of information can we give them? And we basically give them, where's your polling place? Do you know what time the polls open? Um, do you know how to select a candidate? You know, what should you look for? You know, so we have, we have information on all of those things in a nonpartisan way, uh, showing people how to search for information and how to find good information about the candidates on their own. How many local leagues exist in Connecticut? 
You know, I believe we have 21, 25. I don't even know off the top of my head. Sometimes we have a couple of leagues that are in flux right now that are either closing or opening. So it's kind of uh, because a lot of our leagues, we don't cover. There's not a league for every town in Connecticut. Some of our leagues cover up to 18 towns. Um, so some of them are like the big cities have their own. Uh, some cities have a couple of towns in addition to a city. So there's over 20. I'll tell you that much. I can look right online right now. <laughs> and the, the voter guides, are, are those actually responses to questions formulated by the league that are sent to candidates and then the candidates respond? Yes. And the uh, Vote for One system, that is our National League of Women Voters of U.S. system, has been adapted for every state. And you can input your information for every town. You can list your candidates. Um, so if you put your town into the vote411.org, I think is the website, uh, it will tell you for what district you're in and all this kind of thing and find out what candidates are running in your town or your city. And they have specific questions and the candidates have up to, I can't remember how many words they have to, they have a, a maximum and um, they can put their information up there. But it's up to the candidates to do it. We don't do it for them. Do you get a good response rate? You know, this we just started doing this on a on a global basis, mainly because we don't have local leagues in every city and town. We wanted to make sure voters in those areas were able to access information. So we did sign up to do the whole state. Uh, we've only been doing it a year or two, so it's still kind of new. But at each time we do it, <clears throat> we get more participation by our leagues. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Laura Smits, president of the League of Women Voters of Connecticut. You know, I'm I'm curious with the decline of local newspapers do you find yes. that the questionnaires are even more important because it seems back in the day that was something that the local newspapers would would put in in the weeks leading up to the election absolutely it's really sad that there are so few outlets now for local news um it's it's um it's another one of those instances where the information has to change how we get it right so now we have to be a little we have to do more social media. Um, we have to put things on our website. I think the, the difficulty with the paper is, and, and the difference between the paper and the online versions of things, in my opinion, is that when you say, go visit us on, you're making us do the work. Whereas it used to be just dropped at your front door, right? The newspaper. So you kind of had it, it was kind of, it, it was under your control because you subscribed to it, but you were the one who was, it was delivered right to your door. You didn't have to do anything. It just showed up. And now we have to go search for information and we have to be careful about the information we search for, right? We can't just willy nilly click on anything. So we have to be a lot more careful as consumers of what we read. So again, if people are looking for those guides, where can they find them? Uh, vote for one, vote for one.org. All right. And then you put in your, your state or your, your community. <clears throat> and it will, it, it comes up like on a, the website just asks you what state you're in. And then it will, from there, you kind of get what district are you in and all that kind of stuff, what town. So, yes. Now, out of curiosity, because there are worker shortages in so many sectors, have you heard any concerns about having enough poll workers on Election Day? <clears throat> getting poll workers even before COVID was getting more difficult because more and more people were retired and more and more people moved out of state to go live with Grant. You know, there's lots of reasons why people move. So that was a problem. The thing, the one thing upside about COVID was that um, it was pointed out how vulnerable the elderly were to COVID. 
And a lot of poll workers, as I mentioned, were retirees. So what happened, what the good news about it was that the uh, young people did step up in many cities and towns to be poll workers at the last election cycle. Um, so that was kind of good. And I think the one thing that I have found with poll workers and having been a registrar of voters, I work with a lot of poll workers and I've been a poll worker, is that once you understand how the system works, you feel more confident about, confident about the system because you understand it, right? You start to, once you understand the process of something, you see why these things are done. Why when you have a checkers table, one is a Republican, one is a Democrat. Why when you have, um, you know, you have both parties have moderators, all kinds of checks and balances in the system so that it's transparent and so that it can be followed and that both sides are in on the decisions that are made when the time comes to count the votes. That speaks to the next question I was going to ask you. Talk about why you have confidence in the security of elections in general and in particular in Connecticut. Connecticut does a lot of things right. We have a paper trail, which at the time, I think Susan Weisowicz was the Secretary of State, our now Lieutenant Governor. And that was a decision that had to be made about what kind of balance do we want? Do we want do we want the kind that's hooked up to the Internet? No, we really, really wanted a paper trail. It makes it a little more expensive, but it also makes it easy to audit. Um, in Connecticut, we regularly have audits after every election. Uh, there's a lottery. There's a 1% of polling places are pulled, and you have to count those ballots by hand to make sure the machines are doing their job and counting correctly. So that's one thing we get right. The other thing we get right is our application process for absentee ballots, even though it's kind of complicated and takes a little while longer, it's actually a more secure way of doing things because when you get that application as a town clerk, you have to check that, that name and that address to make sure that person is a registered voter already in our system. And if they're not, they are contacted and notified that they have to register to vote so that they can either vote by absentee or in person, but that they will be notified that they're not in the system. So this, they don't go to anybody willy-nilly, right? You have to be a legitimate voter in the system to get an absentee ballot once you file an application. It seems like yesterday that they were phasing out the old lever machines with the curtains and we were testing out new ways to vote, but that's that was 20 years ago almost. Do you Correct. have any asks or requests for the next generation of voting machines as, as these ones kind of reach the, the end of their, their useful life? Well, I think, I think the one thing that's really important that we should remember, the reason our machines are very secure is because they're not hooked up to the internet, right? They're basically just fancy counting machines. So they're programmed with cards and a secure facility, blah, 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 but that's just the candidates. Um, they're not hooked up to the internet. You can't change the votes. It's a very simple machine. And for that reason, I kind of like the fact that it's a simple machine because it's somewhat that once you add more technology, lots of more things can go wrong. However, they are old. They are being replaced. I know the Secretary of State's office is putting together a commission to look into what, what do we do next time, right? Um, I do think we'll be having um, poll books, online, not online, poll, electronic poll books, which they have in other states as well. And those, again, are not hooked up to the internet in the sense that you can go in there and, and manipulate the data. Um, so that's something that we should definitely modernize because part of the part of the difficulty at the end of election night is counting up the names of all those who voted in person, all those who voted absentee against the number of ballots that have been issued. So that's what take the, that's what takes a long time, right? So any way we can make that more less human error because that's humans counting up lines of crossed out names, the better we're off, off we're going to be. 
And as you know, working local elections, that is especially important this year because many boards and commissions have minority representation rules, and that can get complicated, especially on election night after you've been working the entire day. Right. And that's that's the, the last time you want to be counting those things up, you know, because there's a lot of paperwork. Again, all the paperwork we have to do, it's a check and a balance. Uh, we make three copies of the tape that comes out. So we have that check and balance. So we have registrars from both parties. We always, you know, one 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 registrar gives you the poll workers from one side. The other one gives you another side. So they all work together to make sure everything is secure. If if people want to get involved in the process, either running for an office or, you know, working at the polls, what advice do you have for them? Working at the poll, polls is pretty straightforward. You contact your registrar of voters in town and they will definitely uh, take your name and number and tell you what's involved or shot. Um, sometimes you get meals, sometimes you have to bring your own. Um, it is a long day, so bring a cushion, <laughs> you know, um, but that's fairly straightforward. As far as running for candidates, the most, the first step would be to contact their parties, either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Those are the two major parties. There's also a few independent, there's a Working Families Party, the Green Party. There's a few other parties minority parties in Connecticut, but that's the best way to go about it because then not so much that you're a party member, but you understand the process. And there are vacancies on, on so many boards and commissions that may not be, you know, town council or school board that local officials would love to get filled if, if there are, are willing applicants and candidates. Absolutely. And that's, that. I mean, that's the thing. There's so many you know, if you, I always tell the kids when I talk to kids about this stuff, I'd like, find your passion. If your passion is science or the environment, you know, go find your town or city has something that's related to that, right? You know, they have a water system or whatever. So it's always a good idea to take your passion and turn it into something practical. And especially public service is a really, really important community good and a, and a civic need. And too many people either can't volunteer or don't have the time to volunteer who would like to serve. And it's really unfortunate that so many people become public servants not to do the community good, but just for their own their own selves. And I think that's unfortunate. So we need really good people to start stepping up and getting involved. Now, in our last couple of minutes, we, we touched on it a little at the beginning of the program, but what is on the League of Women Voters legislative wish list as we approach the 2022 session in Connecticut? Well, we definitely want to get no excuse absentee ballots in, in the pipeline. Um, it has to pass through a certain majority in the House and the Senate in the state. And if it doesn't make that benchmark, it won't get on the ballot. That's why early voting made it. No abs excuse absentee ballot did not. So that's our next big thing. We also are interested in looking into ranked choice voting which they had tried in New York this year during a primary. And that's one way that um, voters can have more than one shot at getting a candidate right. You know, you, you rank your choices. So it would, be an, it would be an interesting thing to look at. It's a little complicated to explain, but I think um, it's not a bad idea for Connecticut either to go that way. Are you concerned about efforts in other states to roll back and restrict voting rights? Absolutely. I think it's... It, it makes me sound that once we seem to get voting rights or whatever kind of rights that suddenly they can disappear, you know, at the whim. Voting rights should, should not even be subject to any kind of political process. 
it should just go without saying that if you're a citizen of this country, you have the right to vote no matter what. You know, that that's just how it should be. Um, I think, unfortunately, demographics have changed in some areas. People are concerned. They're losing control and they want to maintain control. Uh, that's part of politics is maintaining control and power. So I'm, I'm not um, I'm dismayed, but I'm not shocked. All right. One more time. The deadline for November 2nd to pre-register is Tuesday, correct? Yes. October 26th. Uh, I think it's up until midnight on the online registration system, which you can do if you have a DMV issued ID. And uh, mail-in has to be postmarked by that date for it to count towards um, a registration for this upcoming election. And if people want to know more about the League of Women Voters of Connecticut, where can they go online? lwvct.org. She is Laura Smits, president of the League of Women Voters of Connecticut. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me, Aaron, anytime. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.